Sam Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Which one do you prefer? I'll tell you which one you prefer. The one I prefer. This is Emsolation. The night before my wedding and I walked in and there was Em and Adrian. What was going on? I am openly whoring stuff. And you guys will applaud it. There are these weird parallels at times with you and Trump. There's a whore in the house. You're in Emsolation. So, Chris, um, we all know you're circumcised. Tell us more. Hello. How are you? Maximalist power queen M. Rossiano here, in your ears, with you. Thanks for choosing Emsolation, the podcast that was born during COVID-19 lockdown isolation, hence the name Emsolation. Yeah, that's pretty much how we came out with it. <laughs> I wanted to create a universe for you to escape to. So when COVID was over and it was suggested we change our name, a lot of you were like, no, you're still the universe we escape our lives to. So I like that. I like providing that place for you. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I just wanted to start off the bat, let you know that we will be talking about the consent video that the government inflicted on us earlier in the week. And I want to give a little trigger warning around some of the themes. Um, Obviously, that video was intended to discuss issues around rape, consent and sexual assault. So I just wanted to give a trigger warning to any of you who may find these topics distressing or hard to listen to. Just skip over that bit or listen to it, but protect your little heart and know that it's coming. The other thing is, if you have a teenager, if you have someone who is, look, 14 or older, I'd love for you to listen to that portion of the podcast with them. I think it's really important. I think it may help you have an open and honest conversation about consent with your teenager. So look, you know how I operate. You know the way I speak. If you're cool with your teen hearing a couple swear words and some pretty frank talk about consent, I'd really love for you to listen to the very first thing Michael and I talk about is the consent video. Unusually serious start, but important because I have teenage daughters and consent is something I'm very, very passionate about and an issue I think there's not spoken openly enough about. Now, the other thing I want to remind you of is that this podcast will be becoming a Spotify exclusive as of May 13th, and that basically means you won't be able to listen to us anywhere else, only Spotify. We are becoming monogamous with Spotify. We are no longer whoring around to the other apps. You won't be able to hear us on iTunes or Pocket Podcast, or any other platforms that I'm unaware of because I only really know Spotify because I'm a Spotify girl. So you have until May 13th to download the app. It's free. Free, free, free. Our podcast will always be free. The Spotify app is free. There is a premium version. If you want to get that, if you want to be fancy, cool. Otherwise, free. Get that. Find Emsolation. Just search my name or Emsolation. Follow us. That's very important that you click the little follow button and then you'll be alerted anytime something happens with the podcast, basically. May 13th. Not long. So get downloading. Uh, oh, also, she's is full of news. National tour. That's right. We announced a national tour yesterday. If you missed it, I'm pretty excited because last year I honestly didn't think it would be happening. So in June, June 5th, I'll be hitting Adelaide Theberton Theatre. Saturday the 12th of June in Brisbane, I'll be playing QPAC and Sydney. This is so, so exciting. On the 19th of June, I'll be playing the Mofo Big Top. Yes! Luna Park. Of course, it's the only venue big enough to hold my ego, my personality, my feelings, my emotions. 
<laughs> so exciting. All the details are at my website, Frontier's website, all over social media. There's a Frontier pre-sale, which you can register for, happening next week. Tickets on sale next week. They'll go pretty quickly, I hope. I think they usually do. Anyway, it's pre- pretty pumped. I'm bringing Dad. I'm bringing Chella. I'm touring three generations. Has it been done before in comedy, music? I don't know. Let's say no. All right, that's enough from me. You've got a few things to remember. Go grab your teen or listen to it first and then play it to them again. I understand. Maybe you want to do that. (laughs) Maybe you want to hear it first. Or go in dry, whatever you want. It's up to you. All right, Michael Lucas is about to arrive. We're going to talk about a few things. Bluey as well. I almost got cancelled, guys, because I talked about Bluey. I almost got (laughs) cancelled. All right, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right. Gosh, I hate being the tech department. It's all well and good to go out on your own and be a sassy businesswoman entrepreneur, but that also means sometimes you're the tech department. And Jesus Christ, Michael. <laughs> Just for everyone listening, it has. we've already had a lot of it where I'm going, I am a creative, I am not good with technology, which sounds like someone's written a bad sitcom of his life and they've just really characterised it. They've gone a bit too heavy brushstroke with the characterisation, but that is actually how this has begun. I don't know about ox imports and out. The sooner we get this into a frigging studio, the better, which is happening, guys, because, you know, we're professional because we're a Spotify exclusive very soon. But um, I put it out online this week on socials. What does everyone want us to talk about today? And I have to tell you, Michael Lucas, that uh, overwhelmingly, I would say 500 responses to the government's consent video. So that's what we're going to talk about first. (laughs) Now, you've watched it, haven't you? You've seen it? I was very fresh to it, yes. I watched news reports about it. I read articles about all these things before I actually saw it. And it it goes into that rare category of things that even when you've heard endlessly for days all the hype about how terrible and ill-judged it is, still when I watched it, I was Mm -hmm. shocked and confused. I know. It really lived up to the hype. It actually surpassed the hype. It's like the Frozen 2. You know, like you don't think that anything can beat Frozen 1, but then Frozen 2 comes out. I just really disagree with that, but I know we have different... You're just saying that all because of the horse and the pantsuit, and that's it. Anyway, but let's... let's... And the two greatest self-discovery songs ever written for women, because this show was written for exhausted mothers, show yourself and into the unknown. Like both those songs should be playing as I drive my ice horse off a cliff, which I eventually will do. But we digress. For me, it relates to Frozen 2 because it's the same tortured and crazy logic that we felt in Frozen 2 is also at play in the milkshake ad. But I've actually gone to a really strange place with the milkshake ad, which is Mm. I'm feeling this weird sympathy for particularly the cast, the cast massively. No. Okay. You need to set it up. You need to explain. Okay. Okay. Let's do a good guy. I'm a 15-year veteran of broadcasting. We'll do what's called a reset. Earlier this week, the federal government unveiled the jewel in its $3.8 million sex education campaign, a seven-minute long educational video called Moving the Line. And it was around, you know, informing young people about consent, respectful sex and sexual assault. But the amazing thing about the video, Michael, is that it actually managed to not mention sex, respectful sex, or consent. The words were literally not said once. (laughs) Let me recap. A video about consent did not mention the word consent. (laughs) 
<laughs> Instead, there were confusing, like, ice cream smearing, pizza bum-touching metaphors. To cross into the action zone, both people must agree. Do you want to try my milkshake? Yes, I do. Is it better than yours? You know, I think I prefer mine. So the whole thing is a clusterfuck. And I want to point out before we get into deep analysis that this is the first campaign from the government that bought you male staffers jizzing on the desks of female MPs since the sexual assault allegations that allegedly occurred within the Liberal Party at Parliament House were revealed since... Many brave survivors of sexual assault have come forward to tell their stories after hundreds of teenagers have also said that there is toxic masculinity, rape culture and coercive control happening within Australian schools. This is the first campaign the government have come out with. Yeah, you feel that's a bit of a don't fuck it up, must not fuck it up situation. You feel like you'd want to get a few sets of eyes on it before you set it live. Oh, my God. And I want to know whose sets of eyes were on. I want to break down an Excel spreadsheet of who gave this the tick. I want to talk to you about that because I did look into that. And the Department of Education said that the program was developed in conjunction with the eSafety Commissioner, the Foundation of Young Australians, Our Watch, and all of since they've come forward and said, nope, we did not sign off on that. We didn't, we did not get any sort of veto on this. No one flicked us an email and said, hey, Jules, do you just want to watch the video and just see if you've got any issues? Uh, no, that didn't. Jules, Jules in HR never got that video, I'll tell you right now. So it just seems as though they've put together a video without consulting any educators, any teenagers, any consent experts in any field. It just feels like they've just gone, you know what, fuck it. Milkshakes, pizza, tacos, the kids will get it. That's popular with kids, isn't it? What, what should, we, should we get Taylor Swift? Nice should we put Taylor Swift song in? Yeah. Who doesn't love milkshake? But I have to say that the notion, the idea of using food as a metaphor has been done successfully because this yeah. is clearly inspired by there was a British ad where mm. it was using consent and they said, but instead of sex, let's talk about it like it's tea. If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh my God, I would love a cup of tea. Thank you then you know they want a cup of tea. But the key things I think there were, firstly, they said the word sex and they said, instead of this, this is what we're doing. But also, for me, like an initial stumbling block was just using milkshake as the thing that they're going. For anyone who grew up with Kalis's well, milkshake video clip. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours. That's already confusing because that's already been mm. used as a metaphor in a sexual way before mm. in a way mm. that you just like... It, it feels like surely you knew that by using milkshake, you're stepping mm. into something that comes with a lot of baggage. Like if you're going to go your neutral metaphor, go your neutral metaphor. Don't use that one. Also, kind of from a government who's just had a jizz scandal, <laughs> you know, it did look like it didn't look like a milkshake. It's too much ice cream. I don't even know what was going on there. The ice cream to milk ratio was way off. It, I would put it, could you say like Sunday? I would say sun. It was a, yeah, it was a sloppy Sunday. Well, they've had a jizz scandal. Why would you want to remind people of that? The main problem, the, the first initial alarm bell for me was the fact that the female was the aggressor, okay? Mystifying. So the, Absolutely the mystifying. The is the female 
stepping over the line with the male. Now, statistically, 97% of sexual assault survivors are women and an equal portion of men who are sexually assaulted are sexually assaulted by men. Yeah. So it's quite bizarre that that's the angle they went down when it's just incorrect and also it encourages the perpetrator to seek help by the end, nothing for the victim. The perpetrator gets handed a card by, oh, don't worry, we ticked a box. We got a person of colour in there as well to make sure that they get help. Like they, the people of colour, the teenager of colour, was treated as some kind of like side bit part. Like it was strange. It was like they had to tick a diversity box. It made no sense. It was heteronormative. Like there was no mention of same-sex relationships. It was the strangest thing. But for me, the initial sign was, why is the female the aggressor? Yeah. I, I feel like at some point someone overthought it and thought, well, we can't, you know, <laughs> not all men, not all men. And then this is the, because it's the British one about the T uses animated stick figures. So it's like completely devoid of gender. So they avoided it that well, we, way. We can't devoid it of gender. We can't. No, no, I know, we, but we, it's still. Statistically, and we Luke must McGregor not. McGregor did another really good one as well. He did a similar consent thing about trying on a hat, and I think it was him performing to his own voice as well. <laughs> do you want to try on this cool hat? Uh, yeah, sure do. Thank yeah, you. It's cool. It is cool. Oh, he looks good. I like it. Mm. feels nice. It feels nice. Yeah, yeah, it looks I, very I, like, I like wearing it. All right, well, thanks for that. No um, problems. Do you want to try it on again? No, I'm good, thank you. Are you sure? But why do we need metaphors? No, we don't, we don't. It's either you be re- honest and serious about it in the fact that it is like almost 100% men that are the perpetrators in this, or or if you're going to try and neutralise it, then neutralise it. But what they've done is flipped it in this weird, really uncomfortable way that feels like it just makes everything feel false right from the very beginning. Oh, I see, I'm I'm panging with I feel sorry for those actors. I really do. I they don't. a good job. <gasps> I don't feel sorry for the actors. If I was an actor and read that script, I would have been like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. But I think this whole thing is kind of unforgivable, right from the people who first wrote it, who storyboarded it, who came up with the cute graphics, the person who narrated it. At some point, someone with half a brain should have said, no, this is not okay, guys. It's not good. It's not good. Like, I'm sorry, I have no patience for this whatsoever. This is a $3.8 million campaign. Like, this was their opportunity to really make a difference after, like, a terrible start to the year for them and all these situations bravely being brought to light by survivors. And this is a government who are afraid to talk about sex and consent, clearly, and it feels to me, oh, she's getting fired up, I can feel it in these fucking waters. It feels to me... That this, sorry, I'm going to lower my voice, that this campaign was made to make people who are uncomfortable about these topics not get offended. This was made for people who get offended, not for teenagers who desperately need education about consent. And that is also unforgivable. As a mother of two teenage daughters, I want consent being spoken about in schools. I talk about it at home. It's not all the school's responsibility, but fuck me, showing a girl smearing what looks like jizz on a boy's face <laughs> and then putting sprinkles on it and then talking about pizzas and ass touching, which makes no sense. 
It's not it. Well, also, because part of what this campaign should be saying is, you know, that avoiding the topic and avoiding articulating things is is part of the problem in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So to produce mm-hmm. a whole campaign mm-hmm. that, if mm-hmm. anything, just emphasises the avoidance of this. But even, even with all those initial sins, even with, like, the fact that she's the aggressive, the milkshake's weird, everything about it's weird, Still it goes wrong for me because after a while it sort of goes into like coercive relationships and control and bad. But Mm. like I hit a point where I'm like, what aspect of an abusive relationship are we addressing now? Because there's lines moving and there's weird and then there's counselling. And then there's also another really mystifying bit where the, the male who's the victim in this scenario starts writing a list of what's good and bad about the relationship. And what he's written, what's good for her is like, she has nice hair. She's pretty. She's like, it's, it's, what? So they added in all of that mm. felt ill-judged. Like the, it, it, it really is one bad decision on top of another, on top of another, times infinity. It's, it's really I know. It's something of a masterpiece in some ways. I agree. But it's on brand for ScoMo's government and the spectacular fails that they have had in responses to crises. And also, it's just Scotty from marketing. I mean, he Tourism Australia head, he had Lara Bingles with a bloody hell are you campaign, who I thought that he was never going to come up with a more ill-judged multi-million dollar ad campaign, but oh my God, so wrong. The thing for me is I have, this this commercial was aimed at 15 to 18 year olds. I have both of those. I have a 14 and 19 year old. And I want you to know, if you're in a car with your teenager listening now, and I have asked you to get your teenager... So here's the interactive bit I was talking about. If you're with your teenager right now, look at their face while I say the next thing. Look at their face. Look at your teenager's face. Are you looking? Okay. Your teenager that you're looking at now probably knows more about sex than you do. Are they smiling? What's their face doing? Okay. Yeah, that's all you need to know. I'm telling you, you do not need to put metaphors in for penises and vaginas and sex and rape and sexual assault. Those kids know more than you do. And I'm not saying every kid, but I'm saying most. So we need to be having honest conversations with teenagers, but we also need to be consulting teenagers on how they want to talk about consent. And it's also your job, if you have teenagers, if you have a three-year-old, you can start talking about consent to three-year-olds. You can start teaching your kids that they have agency over their own body as soon as they're aware of their own body, teaching them that people have to ask for permission to give them hugs and a kiss. Mm. These are things that can start when they are very young. You should be the government spokesperson, Em. I'm sold. Oh. You could do it as a musical. You'd be a lot clearer. I consent the musical would, you know, look, I think it may even be, it would just be me on stage saying, just things like, <laughs> no means no. Even if he has the tip of the dick in, you can pull out and say no. <laughs> do not let your fear of offending someone get in the way of your personal safety. The end. Um, flap up. So basically the, the conversation with my teenagers has been happening since they were very small and it continues to happen whenever Chella leaves the house, whenever the girls leave the house, we talk about consent. It is just an open and honest conversation and it is time for you as a parent to have that conversation with your child in an age-appropriate way. And, my God, there are so many resources online. Google, how do I talk to a 12-year-old about consent? The government clearly didn't Google that. They just fucking did whatever they wanted. They took some acid. They made a thing. But what I do want to encourage is every single parent listening right now, talk to your kids about consent. Please talk to them about consent. It is just the most important thing right now and we cannot rely on our government, so it's up to us. 
And, and weirdly, it's not as complicated as that video no. makes out. No, it's, it's only it's, it's also just about encouraging sort of a climate where people it feels okay to say what you want and more critically what you don't want and because we are mm. we're all like inhibited and weird um especially mm. people of our generation or older about sex and saying mm. what you want and what you don't want we've got to smash through all of that and take the coyness out of it as well which is and this yeah. video apart from anything else is weirdly coy from the design to everything about it but also the everything i see around consent for teenagers is heterosexual focused Mm. That's the other problem. It's not just heterosexual teens who have to give and receive consent. Mm-mm. And that's another problem with, with these programs. It's assuming all kids are straight and we know they're not. So Mm-mm. it's so hard. I'm raising a son. I'm raising two girls and I've got both of them. All my kids are getting these toxic messages from society on how they should be. And as parents, I get it. It's exhausting. You've got to raise a son to respect women, to respect himself, to make sure, you know, he's not an awful, toxic, masculine enabler. And then you got to raise your girls to be fierce and brave, but also smart. Like, it's just fucking exhausting. And when this shit's getting thrown at your kids from the government, I just feel like going, guys, fuck off. It's hard enough. You're making it harder. Take your milkshakes. I just got to tell my girls they don't have to engage in any sexual activity if they don't want to. I'm just, it's such an own goal. I just don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do know what to do. Consent the musical and I'm personally here for it. Well, I'm look, I would offer to travel the, the high schools of Australia and talk about consent, but honestly, it would just be me there facilitating the kids because they are so smart. Don't underestimate teenagers ever. My God. All right. <laughs> Have we covered that enough? But I, did, I just do want to say that one of the worst things this video does, and on a very serious note, it minimises the experience of sexual assault survivors. It really does. Mm. In, on its most nuanced, basic level, it is so entirely disrespectful and dismissive. And I think that's probably its worst offence. All right, moving on to something. Um, oh, God, do we have to talk about Bluey? <laughs> Let's get out of here. This is still in the everything Fine. is problematic lane way. I think we do. All right. So I love the show Bluey. Bluey. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many times you preface it by saying that, people. Are gonna... I love it so much. <laughs> Bluey has made me a better parent. It's made Scott a better parent. It's reminding us to, to, to play with our kids, really just put all the other life stuff aside and engage. It's a beautiful show, Michael Lucas. I love I it. I know. And this is a weird topic for me because I have actually seen Bluey and I recognise that it is really beautifully made show and beautifully written and conceived and everything like that. But, of course, I don't have a child. So I'm, I know, <laughs> like, every other family that is around me is, like, mainlining Bluey, basically. It's mm. incredible. I can't remember the last mm. time an Australian piece of entertainment was just so mm. universally beloved. It's incredible. I love it. But... Earlier, we said last like last week, a journalist, I'm not going to name her because she's copped so much hate online, but if you want to go find her, you can find her, but please don't direct any more hate towards her. She is of Asian descent and she wrote an article just gently suggesting that perhaps in the future Bluey could be more inclusive because she doesn't see her child reflected in the show, child with obvious disabilities, children with different cultures, 
And everyone's, you know, saying, but it's a show about dogs. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not a show about dogs. The dogs are the characters, but it's very clearly human life that they are mimicking because you've all got dogs. Your dogs don't live in beautiful terrace houses on the top of hills in Brisbane. That's not how dogs go. Mm-hmm. So for the people first of all saying, it's just a show about dogs, it is so much more than that. You're ripping Bluey off. So people lost their minds at her. She's getting death threats. And her article, we should also say, was mostly a love letter to Bluey. Like it, it was it a love really letter was to like, Bluey. It was three quarters. I love it yeah. and it makes me cry it was, and it's made me yeah. better and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, but if I, you know, if I... I would love it if there was more diversity if I saw my family represented. Exactly. And I think that's totally fine. And I also took stock in it and thought, yeah, like, there's an episode we watched last week where one of the Terriers has ADHD. Well, hello. You must be my new student. I'm Jack. Jack can't sit still or remember anything. I've just been diagnosed with ADHD and I felt on the spot like, Ah, oh, yeah, that's cool. And, like, there's just a tiny bit of representation to a woman who's fully formed, who knows her place in society, he's pretty confident. So, like, it's dumb, but it is something that matters. Mm. So if there's a kid from a divorced family and some of the dogs, one dog does say actively, I live with my mum and dad at different points in time, but we don't ever see that. Mm. So imagine a kid of divorce seeing on the telly in his favourite show that on the weekends someone goes and visits one parent and the heartache of that for both parents. And it's it's a really tough situation to navigate. Mm. And I think Bluey would do it beautifully. And I think showing different religions and I think showing dogs that maybe have emigrated from another country and have different processes, that kind of stuff is not present in Bluey at the moment. But in the future, it can be. And that's what was being suggested. So I just wrote a little Facebook post and just said, obviously, I love Louis so, so much. It's amazing. Gets everything right. But it wouldn't be great in the future if they could do, as this writer says, I agree with her and maybe be a little bit more inclusive to gay kids, trans kids, kids of colour. And I mean, I pretty much nearly got cancelled. <laughs> you dirty dude, I'm angry. I have never been this angry. In my entire life! Let's just say I was getting some texts. At one point, <laughs> I sent a directive, step away from your phone, I will monitor. If things Did escalate, I will tell you, step away from your phone. People were very passionate about Bluey. So why do you think, why do you think people get so upset when this kind of stuff is spoken about, like with Bluey in particular? I think on the face of it, I think the perception of Bluey is that it is a progressive show and I, I certainly know that is it, isn't the, the mum is the uh, working parent. They both work. Dad's an archaeologist. Yeah. And Chili, I think, works at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but yeah oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think it's because people have not ever, I mean, for the vast majority of people, have just not even thought about Bluey in that light and they love Mm. it and they think it's a great thing to show kids. And so I I think the reason why people get angry when they hear it is, A, they love the show and they want to defend the show, but also they think, what, is that saying, am I I racist because I hadn't noticed this and because I hadn't thought of this because I think Bluey's great? And, 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 you know, so people have that really, really angry reaction when they think that it's a reflection on them in some ways. And, Mm. and you know, I completely understand it because it is uncomfortable when Mm. all of a sudden something that you've been looking at you know, someone challenges it. And and then in addition to that, I was aware of the fact that I think also there is that, granted, as you say, it's not about dogs, but also 
they are humanized animals so therefore that adds a whole lot of layer of complexity into the mm. thing but by and large mm. i think it's because it's beloved and people have not seen it as something problematic and i'm sure as well every we're questioning everything in entertainment and society and pop culture at the moment and i imagine a lot of fatigue <laughs> has has poured into yeah, that as well people are just like is. isn't there this just this yeah. one give me bluey yeah. i've accepted that i'm it. not going to show my daughter grace but this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I think you've hit it. I think people are fatigued about losing things they love because they're problematic. And this is something that they've just learned to love in the past like couple of years. Like, yeah. and it's such yeah. a fierce love. Like, it it's is love. an absolute. The bond that Australian families have with Bluey yes. is off the and scale. And no one's attacking that, and especially not me. And I think suggesting that something could be more inclusive is not saying. <laughs> Therefore, the show is terrible and should be cancelled. It's actually, because it's, I have so much, like, play school has evolved. Play school when I was a kid was yeah. Benita and John making dick jokes. Keep your sausage in. <laughs> Thank you. Keep your sausage to yourself. <laughs> that was all I knew was Benita, John and Noni. And Benita was as diverse as it got. I know. And, <laughs> and she was fabulous. Barely diverse because uh, she had brown hair. And now Play School represents every single, I, they've got every single person is there and it is mm. a kaleidoscope and everyone is represented and it's a beautiful thing. So things can evolve. But I think the main thing to point out is if you're watching Bluey and feeling represented, of course you're not going to notice the things that are lacking. And that's privilege. That's privilege in a fucking nutshell. People who don't feel represented, the ones, the kids of, who have, you know, gay, trans kids who are in families of divorce, disabled kids, they will notice and their kids will notice. And I think that's the big thing to point out. You not noticing it doesn't mean you're racist it, yeah. or, or ableist. It just means you probably have the privilege that it doesn't apply to you. I feel like people have a protectiveness towards Blue, but also a protectiveness towards the people that make Blue, which I understand in some ways. But... I would also just say that, like, when, you know, when something becomes as much of a phenomenon, I can't even say that word, phenomenon, phenomenon. as Bluey is, <laughs> it just it comes with the territory that people are going to be thinking about it a great deal, its impact on people, and there's going to be op-eds written about it, and that's part of something becoming successful in some ways. You know, if Bluey was just a little insignificant show, then no yeah. one would care enough to write these op-eds. No. And the only other thing is, I mean, I've certainly had the experience of being called out online for representation. Mm. And in my case, and there's been many, there's been many times that I have, but, you know, everyone, everyone's on social media now, so you can see it. But I remember yeah. in Five Bedrooms we we have uh, an Indian-Australian character, Harry, and, and I take pride in the fact that I feel like, you know, we are part of our writing team. We have an Indian-Australian writer who's poured a lot of her family stories. But there was, it got a critique at one point that they said all of Harry's stories are about his Indian heritage and is that really progressive? And it took, like, I did have that moment of going, what? but hang on, what? No, what are we saying that he's like, and I I really had to wrestle with it for a while. But in the end, it was good for me because Mm. it made me think, firstly, I thought, you know, it's still okay to tell culturally specific stories. And, and mm-hmm. of course, the writer really wants to reflect her own family thing, but it did make me think, I just need to make sure that there are plenty of storylines he has that aren't hooked on the fact that he's an Indian Australian. Like, I've got to give him relationship stories that could be, you know, it's about getting the mix right. And so that criticism, you kind of got a choice in that moment. Do you freak out about it or do you reflect on it and let it figure out where mm. you sit? And in my case, I feel like it you know, it just makes the show better. And those Bluey people are so smart 
And the mm. show's going to keep... I mean, we all know Bluey is going to be going for the rest of our lives. It will outlive mm. the people that have made it. It's so popular. And so mm. there will be scope for it to keep telling different kinds of stories. And, and it will. I, I kind of know the guys who make it and I know they will have taken note of what's been going on 100%. And I'm very confident that the show will evolve. And it, of course it will because it's smart and self-aware. And so in summary, I love Bluey. It's not getting cancelled. But please stop sending me these fucking family trees, how this person's a, a healer and but this guy's got short legs so that means he maybe maybe he's got a disability. Like all these people like sending me complicated cast lists of Bluey with how certain afflictions could perhaps be misconstrued as this and maybe. Th- and I'm like, guys, if it's not obvious and you have to explain it to me like this, then it needs to be better. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's also the effect of things just getting boiled down to... Like, you know, that, that it was a really long and complex article that was initially written. And then, of course, you know, it ends up on news.com as Bluey yeah. Kane for racism. And so that all of that stuff is in design to make you go <gasps> and want to want to respond. It's one of the really hard things about discussing these things on social media. But I media. love Bluey. Dollar bucks. Love dollar bucks. Love Bluey. Love bingo. Love mum. Love dad. Love them all. Goodbye. Have fun. I miss you. Moving on to a lighter topic, Prince Philip's funeral. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch it. It's too tired. All I want to talk about at the funeral is the fact that Harry and Wills had a conversation. Peace was brokered by Kate, Wills' wife. Didn't they go for a walk? They decided to walk from the mm-hmm. from one mm-hmm. venue mm-hmm. to another. And, yeah. 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 and this yeah. was in yeah. full view of the cameras. Thank God for the news.com lip readers. Oh, thank God. And the body language expert. He was swaying from side to side. His body doesn't go straight ahead. It goes side to side. And I think that his body is showing the signs of a lifetime of indulgence. I would like to be a body language expert. I think that would be fun. Oh, yeah, Harry's saying, you fucking idiot. Why did you not answer my calls? Wills is like, why did you go on Oprah without us? We're trying to escape too. Wills is like, oh, yeah, you've lost more hair. And then Wills is like, oh, you can fucking talk. I can see it. You're on your last legs. Better go to Ashley and Martin. Like, that's how I would do it. But <laughs> initially when Harry and Wills arrived to walk behind the specially made um, Land Rover to specifications as by done by Prince Philip, which was made 20-odd years ago and has been sitting pristine in a garage waiting for his death to be only used once for this occasion, he mm. designed it. They're walking behind and initially a cousin was placed between them. I'm like, why are they going to punch on? Like, why did they put a random, unimportant cousin between them? Give the people what they want. I was so mad. But I I get it. But also the fact that there was a cousin between them, that was just such a confirmation of how bad things (gasps) really are because what, they can't even stand side by side at their grandfather's funeral? If you need a buffer cousin, you're fucked, you know? Like... True, true, true. But I was still mad because I wanted them. I wanted to see the simmering tension. I wanted to see the sparks flying between their shoulders. I wanted to see stolen glances from Harry and Will's looking away. I wanted the full close-up on their faces. I wanted Will and Harry cam like this. The stupid buffer cousin was there. <laughs> and you wanted ultimately to be transferred into GIFs, which you could then text to other people for all time. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> But then, so we, we had the funeral, Queen sitting by herself, very, very sad. Didn't cry, though. She's never cried in public. Wears that as a badge of honour. Although we did lose footage for like an hour, which I suspect was designated crying time. For someone who didn't watch the funeral, I've really taken a lot in. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, basically, funeral happens, funeral, 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 cannons, cannons, cannons. And then we leave. And then as they're leaving, like, first of all, Kate is having a little conversation with Wills. And then it was fucking perfect. This bitch is amazing. She just exited very gracefully, walked away, like, was like this. And then she goes and talks to another relative, leaving the brothers in a much-anticipated reunion. And then we see them having a chat and, you know, who knows what they talked about. I don't know, probably us about Megan, who's at home, Preggers. She would have been Megan. No, the lip readers figured it out. I know it. And apparently it was pretty boring. Don't ruin it with fact. Oh, oh It was a lovely right, service. Sorry. It was as he would have wanted. Yes, it was. That's oh, what they said. Fuck. But even that's telling. Nah, Even probably. that's kind probably. of like, we're not going to, let's not mention the war. Let's just yeah, not say I the guess. word Oprah. But Megan was at home watching a special view. She had a special stream. Like, just for her to watch at home in the bath, she's, like, got Netflix on, ready for the funeral because she's super, super prego and she would have seen the boys talking and she would have been like, right, what did that bitch say to you? You tell her how dare she ignore my phone calls. Like, I can imagine. Because if I had seen Scott talking to his estranged brother, like, say, we're the royal family and I'm pregnant in a bathtub in, like, L.A., oh, the phone would have been running fucking hot. You would have had to put me on airplane mode, honestly. I think what's most disturbing of that is how easy it is to imagine you as the pregnant wife of a member of the royal family texting from the bath angrily. Like, for some reason, that's not as outlandish as it should be. <laughs> I feel like, as well, you're in the bath and clinic, but you are wearing pearls and a very severe shade of lipstick. Of course I am. I'm not an animal. Fuck, that's what separates us from the animals. I wear pearls in the bath. Yes, so... That was the most exciting part, was the kind of the reconciliation. Also, I also have been reading that Harry's not going to be seeing, not have a one-on-one with his dad while he's in the UK, so that speaks volumes. (laughs) Still a rift. And I noticed that Prince Andrew was like the Queen's chosen child to be the confidant, to be the support. She sat nearest to him. He provided emotional support. Prince Andrew, so poor Charlie, Didn't the documentary The Crown posit that Andrew was the favourite? Yeah, the favourite. Yeah, the documentary The Crown has documented the fact that Andrew (laughs) is the favourite child. It is true. So, look, obviously I won't be able to know exactly what happened behind closed doors until the documentary The Crown documents the death of Prince Philip, which it will be doing hopefully in its final series where we cover the Markle debacle. Uh, the funeral. Like, there's so many great plot points that have happened for them to be able to just, like, race forward in time. They're not going into Meghan Markle, even the expended one. I'm sorry to tell you they're not going into it. But I do also, love that in this situation you've basically taken, like, basically, I think we can sum it up. The funeral gave us basically nothing and look how much you've managed to, you've projected all the way to Meghan in the bath with pearls on sending furious texts. I mean, I, I think it's a, you resist the fact that you didn't get much, but I think the fact you didn't get much has allowed your imagination to fill in the blanks and it's a far better so proper than it ever would have been if you knew the details. Thank you so much. I'm guilty. <laughs> all right, that is it. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Just. No, and don't, don't re-cancel him because she brought up Louie no, again. She loves Bluey, loves Bluey. Love it. So talk to your kids about consent. Bluey's great and I'm looking forward to the telly series about the funeral involving Megan with Pels in the Bath. Yes. Amazing. Obviously she could play Megan. She won't because she's not of the right ethnicity. But if she was, she could really summon the spirit. I think she's shown that today. Yes. I feel like 
Okay, okay, stay with me. I feel like if we made this telly movie, she could have like a good angel and a bad angel. And I could like appear like say a Miss Hannigan style character as like her conscience, her alter like bad side of her brain. And like yeah. he's saying to her, text that bitch. How dare she walk next to Harry? I don't know why she smokes, but she does. So, yeah, I feel like there's a chance for me to actually have a role in this show as the evil side of Megan's brain. Red <laughs> wings, lots of pearls, like a negligee with a few gin stains on it, tossled hair, long cigarette holder because I don't want my fingers to smell like ciggies. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> just in there consistently going, cut off the family, just don't even bother them, cut them off, cut oh, them off. Fuck them, fucking don't need them. Old, 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 dead, no. Go You're on. going, I've got Oprah on the line right now. Right. Do you want to? Do you want to do, do the live commentary? Or oh, Gail's texting. Gail's texting. She got Oprah and Gail, babes. Got Oprah and Gail. Come on. <laughs> Gail saying you can have the gazebo in her backyard. That settles it. That settles. Have you seen it? It's beautiful. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Next, invite George Clooney. When have you met him? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's George fucking Clooney. Amal's gonna come. That's Amal. We want Amal. We don't care about Clooney. Shit, he's Mr. Amal now. Everyone fucking knows. Everyone's giving up on Clooney. It's about Mr. Amal. Yeah, Brad. Yeah, hey, Brad's starting to look like a middle-aged woman. You know how they all do that? Like, old white guys used to be hot. They end up looking like weird old ladies. Like Paul McCartney. Brad's going that way too. What's happened? I don't know. Big Jagger. Oh, could be my nana. All right. Okay. Okay, she'll take it. She'll take the call. <laughs> Forget Camilla. You've got fucking Serena. Serena trumps oh. Camilla. <laughs> Anyway. All right. I don't know what happened. You I should do a one-woman show, Meghan Markle's Bad Angel. That's it. Along with Consent the Musical. Totally. And also we'll get Lucy Jurat to do the side show where she's Meghan Markle's Good Angel. Yes. God, it's going to be a busy 2022, I'll tell you right now. All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, gang, that's it for another week of Emsolation. Uh, are you following us on Instagram? It's at Emsolation Podcast. My daughter, Marcella, runs the account. And it's great because you guys picked what we spoke about this week. Basically, we're going to ask you each week what you want to hear. And you guys get to be producers on the show. You can totally put that on your IMDb, on your resume, producer of Emsolation Podcast. I won't be mad. Also, some tough topics covered on today, and I want to let you know about 1-800-RESPECT. It's the National Sexual Assault Domestic and Family Violence Counselling Service. 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual assault, domestic or family violence, you can call them. It's an amazing service. It's 24 hours, seven days a week, and it's an important resource, especially at the moment. I hope that you can talk to your teens about consent. I hope that some of that was helpful. I uh, just want to say again how much I love Bluey. <laughs> I love it. And I just don't want anyone to steal my bad Megan idea, so please don't do that. All right, gang, uh, don't forget tickets on sale for my national tour, Brisbane, Adelaide, Sydney, happening next week. Download that Spotify app. She's ticked all the boxes. She's off now. What am I going to do? I don't know. It's Scotty's birthday tomorrow. Oh, he's the worst person to buy for because he just wants bike stuff and I don't care for bike stuff. I don't want to encourage that kind of behaviour. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to get him. I'm going to go now and just wander around some shops and probably buy myself an expensive bra and pyjamas. Do you know what my go-to purchase is if I'm feeling a bit like tired or flat? Pyjamas. Pyjamas is my emotional purchase. I have three drawers full of them. Three drawers full of emotional pyjamas. If you do this, you'll know what I mean. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful week. Talk soon. Bye.